0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. Like Jeremy said earlier, we're really glad that you guys are here uh, to worship with us. Uh, We are in the middle of a series called Everyday Missionary, and we're going to be spending the next few weeks talking about God's role for those who follow him, for Christ followers in their world. And what does that mean and what we do with our time and our resources and what we give our energy to. And so if you are a Christian, uh, this will give you a little bit of kind of a view and a big picture of what your life is supposed to be about. And if you're investigating what it means to be a Christian, uh, this will give you a a picture of of kind of once you decide to follow Jesus in in your life, uh, what does that mean in in the the way you conduct yourself, your goals, the vision for what your life uh, should be about? And so we're going to be digging into scriptures today, specifically looking at Jesus' example, Uh, with this whole idea of what did he do with his time and then how can we use his example and kind of shape our life based on that as well. And so again, we're glad you're here. Uh, We hope this is helpful uh, perspective uh, for you. Anytime you talk about missionary, uh, we usually have a picture in our head and there's lots of nuances to what it means to be a missionary. But the simple definition that you'll see up here on the screen is a person sent on a religious mission and That idea could be negative. That idea could be positive, depending on your experience. But the idea that we're talking about in this series is not so much the religious mission part, although that's central, but the idea of what does it mean to be somebody who is sent? And that is really what a missionary is. It's somebody who is sent. And the reason that's so important is Jesus came to earth because he was sent by God. So he actually was on mission from God to come And to meet humans, to interact with humans. And he entered our world and he showed us what it means to live his life on mission for God. And he also came to live and sacrifice his life for us as well. And so he was sent by God. And then what he told his followers was, as I have been sent, I am sending you. And so there's this core of Jesus, life, the reason he's here. And then also the mission that he gave all who follow him it's central to this idea of, of being sent. In fact, in John twenty twenty one, this is what he tells his closest followers. He says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. And he was speaking at this time with like what the orders were going to be. What did the people who decided to follow him? What was their life going to be like? What was it going to count for? What was going to be the purpose of it? And he actually didn't talk about, we're going to start this revolution. We're going to create this crazy empire called Christianity. It was this idea of, as I have been sent, I am sending you. And what he's describing is, he is sending people as missionaries into their everyday world. And last week, we kicked off this series talking about people who follow Christ actually have the secrets that God has given us. The secrets of what it means to connect back with him. And he's given those as missionaries so that we can share those secrets with everyone. And that happens life to life as we relate to the people that God has put in our world. So this idea of being sent oftentimes can be measured in in miles, the distance that maybe a missionary would go. And some go to a far off place. Some people are missionaries close. But wherever you're sent, whether it's far or whether it's near, the distance is actually not about the miles. It's about the bridge between us and other people. And what we find in life, and you've experienced this, and I'm, I know I have, it's this idea of there's actually isolation that exists between us and other people. So when we're talking about being sent, we're actually sent as bridge makers to people in isolation. And this, this idea of isolation is actually something that, that we all see in, in normal life. Uh, we actually see it a lot in culture, in movies. So many movies are about us and them. And oftentimes it's this idea of us versus them. And this is how we tend to think. People tend to think in two categories in life, us and them. To me, people who like me, people who look like me, people who think like I think, people who do what I do. And then there's them, everyone else who doesn't fit within that description I just said. If you don't believe me, I was kind of thinking through movies that have come out that are Popular movies that are considered like cult movies, which have huge followings, but maybe they weren't huge successes somewhere and somewhere. But see if you can just, I want you to shout out if you know this little quiz, I want you to shout out if you know these movies just by the picture. Okay. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Let's look at this one. Very good. What about the next one? Back to the future. Excellent. What's the next one? Greece. more people piped up on that one. And you guys are already thinking of the song, right? Different songs. Come on. Each of these movies, Mean Girls, Back to the Future, greece it's a movie built on us versus them. Mean Girls, it's like the fight for being a popular girl. You want to be in the in group, not the out group. Uh, back to the Future, its this idea, you know, you have, if you go back to the picture of those guys. You want to be these guys. Kind of. Until you watch the movie, and you're like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be Michael J. Fox, right? And then the, the last one, Grease. It's you know the greasers, the leather jackets, the cool, slick your hair. You're you're in the in crowd. And these movies don't just they haven't created this genre. This is what is life is like. Do you remember like junior high? Some of you may be in junior high. That's your life, us and them. And a lot of life is trying to figure out who is us and who is them and which group you want to be in. And if you're in the us, and you don't like the us and you want to be in the them group. You kind of have to think, well, how do I get from this group to that group? Nothing actually signifies this more than travel. You guys ever traveled like on a plane or on a train? Talk about like dividing people in us versus them. Right. This past summer, uh, our family went on a trip to, to England and we went on planes, we went on trains, went on all sorts of different things. And there was a conversation that I had with my kids a lot. And that was this, Dad, why can't we sit there? Well, son, that's behind the curtain. You don't go past the curtain. That's where they sit. Well, how come we can't sit there? We could, son, but it would cost us about 3000 more dollars. And then the conversation, we're like, do you have that? No, I don't. Well, let's just stay where we are. <laughs> right? And then we're on a train and we were going from where we were staying into London. And the train was packed and we had our suitcases and we're like sitting near them, on them, you know, and just holding on as the train stopping. And we're packed like cattle. And then there's a section in the middle that we walked past that was completely open and had like a little nicer seats. So again, my kids are like, hey, there's seats. We found seats. And they're kind of excited. And then again, like, we can't sit there. How come that? Remember, like, the plane? Remember the curtain? Picture the curtain. That's why we can't. But that's how it is. You travel in first class, second class, business, lounge. And then there's just the coach, right? And depending on how you travel, you're in one of those groups. You don't have to identify yourself. I think I have today where I am. But that's life. It's us and them. And we deal with this all the time. We go to work. We're in groups based on who we connect with. At the workplace, a lot of times it's boss and employee. Sometimes it's young. Sometimes it's old. This, this exists. So we tend to think in, in, in us and them. And, and that's actually reality of life. But Jesus came and he sent people as missionaries because of this. It's to bridge that gap of isolation between us and other people. There were many scenarios as Jesus lived that he kind of said, this doesn't just happen in our schools or at the workplace. This is actually what happens in the religion circles of our day. And he experienced this himself. He was in a time where there were religious leaders called the Pharisees and the scribes. And they had their us mentality. This is what we do. This is what we say. This is what we look like. And everyone else that doesn't do what we do, look how we look or say what we say, they're them. And if you're not with us, you're with them. And there was this huge gap that was there between the religious people and, and everyday people that didn't know what it meant to follow God at all. So Jesus came and he said, this, this is backwards. There's this wall that exists. And he actually came to bridge The gap. There's this scenario that happened as he's hanging out with people in the them, and I, I want you to read this with me. It says in Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, him as Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." You see the division here. The tax collectors and the sinners were people that if you were like a religious person at this day, you did not hang out with, you did not spend time with. He was receiving them and he was eating with them. That was a sign of like friendship, like family, like you eat with people close to you. And he was gathering around these people from the religious leaders perspective that he should have never given the time of day. So you could imagine the people that are following Jesus decide to follow him and and want to give their life to following him. They're seeing all this play out. And this is a whole different category of what religious people do. And Jesus, from his example, is saying, I am here to be with the them. I'm here to be with the sinners. I'm here to be with the tax collectors. I'm here to be with the people that are ostracized. Not only am I here to be with them, but I'm going to spend my time and I'm going to go out of my way to meet with them, to eat with them, to have this relationship with them. After this episode, he actually goes on to explain why. And this whole time is he's teaching the people and his disciples, his followers, why this is. He wants them to reject this common perspective. And so Jesus followers should reject the attitude of us. Versus them. If you really want to know what it means to follow Jesus, it means that you become a part of God's family. You turn away from going life your own way. And what you begin to realize is that if Jesus has saved you from your sin and you've decided to follow him, you're now in an us category. You're in the family of God. But being in that family is not this closed family that only has a certain number of seats at the table. It's actually an opportunity where we have to go now to all the other people in our life and tell them about the difference that God has made in our life. That's why we're being sent. God has saved us and he sends us to others to tell them about him. And so a Christ follower, you have to reject that attitude of us Versus them, And so in the rest of Luke 15, he goes on to to explain why and he, he gives these these parables, which are like stories to to prove a point. And Jesus did this a lot. He told people the lessons and truth, but he did so in a way that they would want to ask more questions. And sometimes it was a mystery. So as you can imagine, all this ruckus was happening and the religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees are they are just frustrated and they're upset. Why would Jesus hang out with these people? And Jesus explains why. And he tells three stories. He tells a story about a man with a 100 sheep that loses one and how he leaves the 99 to go find the one. And then he tells the story of a woman with 10 coins and how she just, although she has nine, she ransacks her house. She looks everywhere to find this, this one coin. And then he ends these, these stories by telling about this father who has two sons. And one son goes off lives a life of rebellion, and he loses his son. That's the story of the prodigal son. And in all these stories, Jesus is talking about how he has the same heart as these people do for this lost thing to the, those that he has made on this earth. Everyone that has not decided to follow him, Jesus Christ as the boss of their life. They're like the lost coin. They're like the lost sheep. They're like the lost son. So he's saying the reason I'm eating with the sinners and the reason I'm hanging out with them and I'm inviting them into my world and I'm also going to their world and meeting where they're at is because they are lost and they need to be found. Now, sometimes we read stories like this in the scriptures and I don't know about you, but I'm not usually walking around with like 10 coins in my pocket and then I lose one. I'm like, oh, unless it's quarters, right? Silver. I'm a little more concerned. Penny's like, eh, you know, kick it, right? But and coins, and Cohen's like, I'm not a sheep herder. However, I do have three kids. And if I lose a kid, I'm going to look for them, right? We had a beach trip uh, a couple months ago at Church in the Valley. Actually, it was in July. We had a beach trip. And the beach is one of those times as a parent. If, if you've been a parent and you've been at the beach and you have young kids, You're, you're kind of frantic half the time. You're not probably going to sit down. You may not eat because you're on like operation, keep track of kid at all times. And there was a dad on the trip that just mentioned that he couldn't find one of his children. So it started like, Hey, have you seen my child? And as soon as you ask that question, it's like, they're, they're lost. And then, you know, it gets like, hey, have you looked? And, like, and all of a sudden, it went from this just like, hey, have you seen the child? To like, find the child. And, and during that time, it was about 45 seconds. It, it was like frantic mode. You're looking everywhere. You're looking in the ocean. You're looking on the sand. And, and I was freaked out. People near me were freaked out. And we were just like, where's the child? Like, we're looking, we're looking. And then we turn around, and the child's just playing on the sand. Just not a care in the world. Building sandcastles. Had no idea. And my heart, which was now in my throat, just went back to its original position. But in that moment, when we thought the child was lost, nothing else mattered. We were going to find the child. We dropped everything to find the child because the child was lost. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, I care not the fact that they're just sinners, but these are my children. And that's the picture that Jesus came. He did not come to just bring this religious oppression upon people. He came to find lost people that had lost their dad and connect them back with their heavenly father. That was his mission. Here's the way. Here's how you get there. And that's the life that he lived. So as he's sharing these stories, he's saying it's not about the category that they fit in. It's not about the stigma. It's not that they're them. It's that they are lost children that need to find their way back to their father. So his disciples are just taking this in and trying to kind of get this into their perspective and get this into their attitude. But to think like this, you actually do have to just kind of get beyond the ideas. about it. you have to talk about the attitude that you have towards other people that don't fit within maybe the people that you normally hang out with, the people that look like you or talk like you or like things like you do. And there's all sorts of division that happens between us and other people. But the way that we view people reveals the attitude that we have about them. So if you've ever wondered why you think certain things about other people, it's revealing an attitude. And Jesus, in this whole episode, is he saying that it's about the lost. It's about the lost children finding their heavenly father. He also touches base with the key attitudes that we must deal with to kind of understand that. If we're going to reject us versus them, then we have to deal with certain attitudes. And he kind of draw this out in Luke 15. Uh, the first attitude is, is grumbling. And this kind of happened in the first instance of the interaction with the scribes and the Pharisees with what he was doing. In Luke 15, too, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now That word grumbled is one word, but you, you've been around people that grumble. You yourself may struggle with grumbling, but anytime time you grumble, it's like, well, what are, why are we doing this? At work, we can grumble. At home life, we can grumble. Just why are we doing this? This is pointless. This makes no sense. Can you believe that we have to do And you can just get this picture. They're just frustrated, and all they're doing is just talking about how this situation is the worst thing that they have ever seen. It's like disgust frustration anger so they're just grumbling and Jesus is saying like if if you want to be on mission and you want to bridge the gap it's actually going to be something that you're going to have to get past yourself you're going to have to get past the things that we may hold dear that kind of keep the walls up between us and others preferences time energy our focus It's really this mission of we sacrifice ourselves. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our energy so other people can know about Jesus. And then in the story of the lost son and his father, we also find this other attitude of judgment. So another another kind of barrier between us and people is is not only grumbling, but it's it's judgment. Now, if you're honest with yourself, do you judge people? I know for myself, I, I judge people all the time without even realizing it. It's what it is. I see them and I put them in a category. I haven't met them. But I see them and I put them in a category. Now, judgment in itself is actually not bad. It means that we actually know what something is and we can categorize it. But where we get into trouble with people is when we take where we think they are and who they think they are and we we write them off. Like, I can't associate myself with you because of who you are. And so the walls continue. And in the story of the lost son, you have the son really that had been around, who'd been faithful to his dad, who hadn't bailed out. And he's having this problem. Why is the lost son getting this party? And if you've never heard the story of the prodigal son, the son leaves, goes off, rebels, takes his inheritance, spends it, just goes all into sin, does what he wants and ends up living with with animals in the pig slop and realizes that his whole life has been wasted. And so he's stuck. He's at the end of his, his rope and he realizes the only thing I can do is return humbly to my dad. And ask that he'll take me back, even if it means I'm just a servant in his house. So as he goes back to his dad, his dad sees runs out to greet him and, and acts like this is the most important day of his life. And so Jesus reminds, it's about the lost being found. But the son says this in Luke 15, the good son who had been faithful. He says, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. You get kind of the sibling rivalry out in this. You get it, right? Like, I'm the good son. I've done what I was supposed to do. I've been there for you when you wanted me to be there. I've not squandered my inheritance. I've not squandered the investment that you've made in me. And I haven't even gotten a goat. I haven't gotten a party. I haven't gotten to gather my friends for being the good son. And so he has this wall in his heart, and I can relate to that. He's done everything he thought he was supposed to do, but yet his son, I mean, his father kind of negates that and throws this party for his son. And the father answers, and this is really helpful perspective. It says this in Luke 15, 31 through 32, and he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And this brings up the right attitude. The gap between us and others is usually further extended through judgment and through grumbling. But the way we bridge the gap to the isolation that exists between us and other people is through compassion and mercy. You cannot be a missionary that is sent by God without compassion and mercy. This is what the Father modeled. We're rejoicing because the lost has been found. The reason this is important is to be on mission for God and to be this everyday missionary. To bridge the gap between us and others. It takes work. It takes a shift in our perspective. It takes shift in opportunities as we see them. It means that we're willing to lay our life on the line and our reputation and our time and our energy to actually tell people about the difference that Jesus made in our life. That can come at a great cost. Because what we start to think is, if I share my faith with others, and if I share the difference that Jesus made in my life, I then become that person. Isn't it so interesting? The very thing about us and them is if we have a picture in our head of somebody who does that, somebody who shares their faith, somebody who talks about God, and we're like, I don't want to be them. Right? What Jesus is saying is if you're my mission for me, if you're an everyday missionary, you are them. You are that person that you may not want to be because God has given us that as our role. Now, we do that with respect. We do that with the opportunities that he provides We build relationships with people. But being an everyday missionary, if you're a Christ follower, this is not an option. And out of compassion and mercy for others, we go forth. And so he gives the mission. So we've got to reject us versus them. We have to reject the grumbling and the judgment. And we have to choose compassion and mercy, which is seeing people in their own world. Seeing things from their perspective. And also from how God sees them. And once we begin to do that, then we can adopt the mission that God gave us. It's not us versus them. It's us for them. And that is a key perspective. An everyday missionary lives for us for them. And that's the life that that Jesus lived. What this means for us. As as a church, and if you're new to Church in the Valley, this will give you a kind of an insight of, of what we're all about. We actually exist not to just be a self fulfilling group that's just about us. We want to constantly be helping people who are lost, trying to figure out what it means to live for God, and, and showing them what it means to be a Christian. We want to walk them through that. We want to answer questions. We want to love people. We want to serve people. My goal at Church of the Valley is that, that we will grow as God brings people. And we'll never just get happy with our own group, with who we're comfortable with. He's put us in this city around hundreds of thousands of people that are lost, trying to find their Heavenly Father. So we can't just be a group that's just content with our inner circle, us. It needs to be about them. I was talking to a, a lifeguard uh, who used to be a summer lifeguard at, at Huntington beach last week. And he was talking about on some days he, he saved as many as 30 people in, in one day. So I was just you know fascinated with this, li- this kind of life, this of life as a lifeguard. And he says, you know, 30, 30 rescues in one day. It was just come rescue somebody and someone else would get caught in like a riptide or something. And he'd come bring them back. And as soon as he comes back, he's going back out, back out. And I was just like talking to him about this. and like, well, oh, weren't you, weren't you exhausted? Like, how did you keep that up? He's like, yeah, but if people are drowning, you just go back out there. And I was, and I, I was Oh yeah, good, good point. <laughs> like it was so profound. Like, but yeah, people could drown. That's right. That, that makes sense. And so he talked about, you know, the difference between a good lifeguard and a great lifeguard. And he says, you know, the difference is great lifeguards, they're proactive. They see the person struggling before it's it's a dire situation. And they're stepping out off of their lifeguard tower. They're walking in. They're getting there. They're floaty. And they're communicating with the other lifeguards. And they're there right when they're needed to be there. So I was talking to him. I was thinking that that's the picture that Jesus is saying. We're we're a part of this, this rescue mission. If you're a follower of Christ and the church is supposed to exist like a lifeguard where we're looking out and we're seeing people that need Jesus. And our role is to leave our lifeguard tower, which is the comfort of our own world and sometimes even the comfort of our own friends and family within the church and go out and rescue the people that are drowning in their lives from the stress of their responsibilities, their relationships, their brokenness. And we have to be proactive. We have to see people. We have to get around people. We have to draw near like Jesus did with the tax collectors and the sinners. So he's describing that. It was like this, this, that's the picture. It's this rescue mission that we get to be a part of. As I was talking to him, I said, you know, he... He could have just made his life about hanging out with the other lifeguards, just kind of talking to people on the beach. But then I thought, would I want to be swimming in that ocean at that time? No. Because the role of a lifeguard is to always be looking out and saving lives. That's the role of a Christ follower. We have to be looking out to the people that God puts in our place, in our lives, and giving them this. This floaty, giving them this this way to be rescued through Jesus Christ. So as he said that, it just kind of helped me see things differently. When the role is as a missionary, you're you're like a lifeguard. You're always on. And you're always a part of this, this giant rescue mission. And Jesus, as he right before he ascended back into heaven, so he he came to earth and he had this ministry, he's talking about people, and he's hanging out with these sinners, and he's explaining this is what it's all about to rescue those that are lost, to, to save those who are sick. And he's saying that like, this is what it's all about. And then the religious leaders came and they came against him. They said, you're, you're not who you say you are. There's no way you're the son of God. Because he's with us and you're with them. And because of that divide, he, he was killed and he was crucified. But he rose again and he died for our sin and that's the rescue plan. Even though we've messed up, even though that we're sinners and God's not OK with us because of our sin, we can be rescued through Jesus Christ. And so when he has came back from the dead on the third day after he was crucified, all of a sudden the mission became clear. You are who you said you are and you did what you said you would do. Death could not hold you. And so you could imagine if I was there, I'd just be wow. You are who you say you are. And you did what you said you would do. And what Jesus did, he just said, like, well, let's not just spend time talking about what just happened. Now I'm going to give you your your mission. In Acts eight, he gives them the mission. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. So he's saying, You've witnessed all these things. You've been with me. You've seen what I've spent my time doing. You saw me crucified. You've now seen me ri- risen from the dead. You have witnessed all these things. And then he flips it to them. But it's not just to be standing here saying, Wow, we've witnessed all these great things. He says, Now you will be my witnesses of what you've seen and what you've heard. And these different regions represent kind of the geographic circles from where they lived. Uh, Jerusalem was really the hub; it'd be culturally what they were most used to. Judea, a little bit further geographic, like scope out, but still around people that be like them. You could p- p- hear them say, "You know, yeah, I, okay, we'll, we'll tell people about what you've done in in Jerusalem, and, and okay, and in Judea, we'll 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 travel out, we'll do this as." Because you've told us to do this. And then Jesus goes further. Samaria. Now, Samaria was, was a totally foreign place. Different in culture. Different in belief. Saying, I'm going to send you out here. And so the scope of this witness is now growing. This is what he's talking about. It's this bridge towards the isolation of people. Not just who we're comfortable with but every them in the world. And then just in case they didn't quite get the scope, he adds this last part. Okay, so you're, you're going to be witnesses here. And you're going to be on mission here where you are. And then for some of you, you may go further out and you're going to be mission there too. And then he says, and to the ends of the earth. This rescue mission is global. And some God sends to the ends of the earth to reach people who do not yet know Jesus. But wherever we're sent, the mission is a rescue mission. Bringing the lost children back to their Heavenly Father. And this is what Jesus is all about. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to, to be this, this type of witness. What does it mean that we do? What does it mean that, that we say? And we're going to kind of get into some practical, what does it mean to be an everyday missionary? The last two weeks, last week and, and today, are, have been a lot about perspective. Because if you're like me, a lot of times the how-tos and what to do doesn't make sense unless you you figure out why. So if you're not clear on on of why we need to be on mission, then it doesn't really make sense if you know how to do it or not. But a Christ follower, that, this is what, what Jesus has given us. This is what it's all about. This is what our church should be all about. What we spend our time on in our lives, what we spend our time with as a church, we want to be helping bridge the gaps between us and them. So I want to close out with just a key question. That I want you to think about. It's a simple question. It says, how can I build bridges to people in my world? So who is in your world? If you're a Christian, who is in your world that God has put you with? That doesn't yet know what it means to follow Christ. And how can you get into their world? To bridge some of that isolation that exists. Again, we're going to talk more about this, but this is an important question. How can I build bridges to people in my world? Just just think about that. As you think about that, I want to mention just a a key way that you can can do this. Uh, If you open up your program, uh, you'll you'll see a flyer and it's called uh, The Sweet Life. We do a series All throughout the year here at Church in the Valley, every four to six weeks, we kind of start a new message series. Some message series we do specifically to encourage you to invite family and friends to church. We do that because we want you to be able to invite your friends so that we can meet them. And that's part of how that bridge happens. And so I want you to think through who can you build bridges with. And then also the second question is, is there anybody that you could invite to Church in the Valley? Uh, The sweet life is going to be talking about what the good life is and then how do you get it? And oftentimes on our experience, the good life is is maybe not what we thought it would be. It's not all cracked up to what we thought it would be. And so we're going to be looking at what is actually the sweet life really according to how God has designed life to work. So I encourage you, those flyers, again, we don't just provide so you have a piece of paper. And we don't have that so they can become like coasters. These are ways that you can invite people in your world to come into our world. Now, you may not be at a place where inviting somebody to church makes sense. That may be just too big of a barrier. And that's fine. So you think, through. well, how can I get into their world before I invite them into my world? But if you do have people that you think would be interested, I encourage you to think through that on September 18th. Uh, We're going to kick off that series Uh, There's some next steps as I close out our time uh, together. I've already given you a couple asking the question and thinking through who you can invite to that series. And there's some three others that you can kind of take specifically on the message that I've talked about today. On the back of the connection card each week, we have next steps that you can take. And you can just check those or you can write in your own. This is a way of saying, okay, based on what I've learned, based on what I've heard, based on what I sense, I need to do in my own life and live it out here, here's what I can do. So these are just suggestions. The first is go back to the time when God found you and thank him. So if, if you're a, a Christian and you've decided to follow Jesus Christ, think through when that first happened for you and you decided, I don't want to go my own way. I, I want to follow you. And thank him for rescuing you. There's nothing greater in the Christian life, then going back to the point in which you realize your life and your destiny changed. But it's so easy to just kind of let life roll. But Think about that. The second next step identifies those, those you see as a them around you. And then are there some just ways that you can see them differently? And that's something I've just been trying to do in my own life is I see people question that I'm always asking myself is how how does does God see them? How does God see them and and how can I be friendly to them? I've been training my kids at that. Like, you know, young kids when they see people they don't know oftentimes it's just like this look of fear. I'm just training my kids like, you know what, if you smile at somebody you never know how that smile could help. Now that, you know, there's discernment like don't, you know, Granted, but but how can you just smile at somebody and connect to them in, in simple ways? And so think through that. And then the last one is take a step uh, to connect with them in your life. Um, one thing I, I do is I pray for specific opportunities. I was praying this morning for some neighbors that we've been relating to for the last couple years and they love our kids and we talk with them a lot. And I'm just thinking, how, how can I kind of Take another step to bridge the isolation that exists between me and them. And so I'm just praying that God provides I Just ask God this morning, God, in the next two weeks, will you help me to be able to connect with them further? And we've invited them to church and there's not been a whole lot of interest, but I'm just praying God will soften their heart. So just it's simple things like that where we just invite God into the world, the people that we relate to and just ask him to work. And pray for opportunities. So I I encourage you to, to think through that as well. Last, this isn't a next step that's written, but if you're here and you're like, what is all this like Christian rescue father lost?" If you're just unsure of even what that means. And you're not a Christian yet, but you'd like information. There's a place on the connection card where you can ask for people to send you info about what it means to begin a relationship with Jesus. And. You can just maybe check that if you want more info and we'd love to to give you that. So let's let's pray together as I invite the band up. Father, we we do thank you for the life of Jesus and the mission that he came on, which really sets the the mission for our own life. And that is to not just think in terms of my own people my own preferences, my own priorities, but, but really, who are the people in my life that you want me to connect with? And you have love and a heart for people far more than I do and far more than any of us do. And so, God, we, we need your help to see people as, as you see them. So, God, help us to just identify the people in our life that you've put us with that maybe they're in the category of them, but you want us to bridge some of those gaps. Uh, just give us just just one simple way that, that we can do that and just show us and bring an opportunity um, for that. And God, I, I pray that each day when we wake up, that we'll choose to, to love and be open to, to the people that you bring in our lives. And so we, we just need your help to... Kind of pick our head up from our task and responsibilities uh, to see what you're doing. So we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.